Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Alrighty, everybody, back to the normal grind here on Wednesday. It's hard to keep track of what day it is these weeks where there's a uh, day off in the middle of all of the stuff, but I got it. It's Wednesday. I'm sure of it. And this is Fantasy NBA Today. It still is, even after all this time. Day two on the new streak. (laughs) So sad. So sad. We're not going to keep track of this one, just the way we didn't keep track of the last one. I am Dan Vespers, and we are pivoting back into a certain measure of normalcy. That is, today we'll be reviewing the Minnesota Timberwolves because I have fallen painfully far behind the good folks over at SportsEthos.com HQ. Mac Attack. Mark had the Timberwolves breakdown back over at SportsEthos almost two weeks ago. I'm running almost two weeks behind. Oh, get it together, Dan. But that's okay. We had other things to talk about. Today we don't, really, because the finals start tomorrow. We already did Game 1 breakdown. We already did uh, series price, MVP odds, breakdown, all that good stuff. No real news um, over the last 24 hours, per se. Just a lot of chatter. What are the Celtics going to do with Jalen Brown? I mean, they're going to re-sign him, right? That Even in the very worst-case scenario, it's a... It would be a sign and then trade. They can't just can't just let him walk for nothing. Now, remember, and I don't mean to get too far into this sort of hot takey stuff. Remember all the very weird quotes that Jalen was putting out near the end of the regular season? It does feel like those have faded a bit. And looking back, maybe it was just someone who has a very high position at the Players Association trying to sort of measure his words and steps. In any event. Uh, Tyler Hero trying to return during the finals. That would be interesting. Sounds like he could be back as soon as early next week. So for the Heat, they want to try to keep this thing going as long as possible, maybe get a ramped up Hero as we go, but it has been a while for him. And then the other news of the morning is that the Pistons apparently now are targeting Monty Williams as their next head coach. Has it happened yet? I don't know. Does he seem like a guy that might want to take a year off? I guess it depends on how much money is getting thrown his way to go mess around with a young team instead of a team trying to win a title. Certainly the pressure feels lower. That's good. Love to get a giant money job to move down in pressure. That'd be fine. What does it mean from a fantasy standpoint? Not a whole lot if he moved in there. Like, now that the Pistons... And we talked about Detroit already. Uh, we did their... That was the first season wrap we did, like, you know, a month ago or whatever. And the story with Detroit was they're probably going to try to move out of pure tank land, one would think. Not that they got a particularly good draft pick out of this whole thing, but they've got some interesting young guys now that they can kind of piece together. They've got Ivy, they've got Cade, they've got uh, Duran in the front court, and then miscellaneous pieces. I don't know that they have. I guess it depends on if they feel like Cade Cunningham is is a, a blossoming superstar that they can build their whole team around, or if he's just a very, very good player at some point down the line, and they still need that superstar. But regardless, I, I don't feel like the coach is going to be uh, 
It's not. I don't think the coach is going to change the story all that much out there because I felt pretty strongly, almost regardless of who they bring in, that yes, development is still a key for them, but they're also going to try to start actually winning a few ball games. So perhaps a little bit more trustworthy from a fantasy standpoint. Front end of the show here, I want to remind everybody we continue to recruit here at Sports Ethos. The NFL division has grown a ridiculous amount over the last three or four weeks. I can't even believe what I've seen here. It's pretty awesome. The Dynasty NBA division has grown, has tripled in size. It's all spin at this point. Went from just the great Rhett Bauer. Now he has uh, a couple folks writing with him on the NBA Dynasty side. Uh, I think we just added one or two people to the baseball division. We are continuing to add. With Keith Cork in place as the content director here, uh, Hoopball slash Sports Ethos has never been, has never had more direction than it has right now. He's done an unbelievable job. So come and join us if you got what it takes to write for fantasy on any side. I also want to throw out there, we'd love to grow our NHL, our hockey division. Blake Creamer, who runs the NHL pod, uh, we'd love to get some folks writing with Blake. So hockey on the table very much as well. I'll tell you a little bit more about Manscaped as we hit the midpoint of the show. But for now, let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. A team that, by all accounts, pushed their chips in and uh, I think probably feels like a pretty big whoopsies. Rudy Gobert, who... You know, we saw the Jazz kind of build their team around Rudy, which is such a weird way to frame it because they never let him do anything on offense. Which, by the way, it's because he's bad at offense. But the Jazz never let him do anything on offense. And that became a whole thing. Like, every once in a while, he'd just get the ball and go try to do something offensively, and everybody would be like, Rudy! You know, that kind of a moment. He never took more than 8.8 shots per game at any point during his career. That was in 2018-2019. It's actually been trending back down a little bit since then. 8.2 the COVID year. 8.2 again the year after that. That was the 72-game uh, on-purpose season. And each of the last two years, he's been at 7.7 and then 7.8. The big problem for Gobert in moving to Minnesota is that his minutes at center were not guaranteed in a way that they were with the Jazz. And, and this is such a weird thing to say is a problem for a player, but Minnesota actually had some perimeter defense. And you're like, what? Why is that? Well, for someone like Gobert, who is an elite-level rim protector, whether you like or dislike Rudy or like or dislike his his game and what he brings to a basketball court, there is no arguing that he is a good rim protector. Don't just look at the blocks. You can look at all the metrics. Teams don't shoot well when they attack him in front of the rim, or they haven't at least during his time in Utah. He's also been, at least since his second or third year in the NBA, pretty good at avoiding fouls in all of those spots. So he was able to pick up a pretty good chunk of blocks, for a long time, 2014, he hit 2.3 blocks per game, and he had never been below two in any year with Utah since then. So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, all of those years with Jazz, 
He was at two blocks or higher, including seasons where he had pretty large in-season injuries that cost him a month or two, and then he had to kind of get his bearings back. Dropped as low as 2.0 COVID year. Yeah, that was Rudy. And was at one point as high as 2.7. But pretty consistently in between those two marks. So now, you move to a team in Minnesota where some of the players, not so much D'Angelo Russell, not so much even Mike Conley once he got there, but guys like Slow-Mo, good defensively. Anthony Edwards, good defensively. And perhaps the shimmering beacon of the Wolves' defense, not Rudy, Jaden McDaniels, outstanding on defense. Having two, three guys that aren't just letting their player waltz to the rim might be good for a team's defense, but for Rudy Gobert racking up fantasy stats, it was not. Because he simply didn't have to stand back and constantly protect the rim against basically uncontested drives. That's what was happening in Utah for years. The Jazz couldn't stop anybody ever. You know, and they leaned into it too. Donovan Mitchell wasn't stopping anybody. Conley wasn't stopping anybody. They brought in Boyan Bogdanovich for a stretch. He wasn't stopping anybody. I don't even remember who the hell else was there for all those years in Utah. But pretty much nobody was stopping anyone. And they were like, Rudy, do what you can. Once they get past us, Rudy, do what you can. And he did what he could. He had good block numbers. Gigantic rebounding numbers because he just sat back there near the rim and really couldn't go anywhere else or it was an uncontested layup. And the Jazz were like, look, we're going to give teams wide open three-pointers. We're just assume that, you know, that number fluctuates wildly on a game-to-game basis. And Rudy, you just stop stuff at the rim and hopefully over time everything kind of evens out to... Teams are getting good looks, but they're harder looks. They're not getting the the 80-90% stuff right in front of the bucket. And it worked out sometimes. Minnesota had a different game plan. They're trying to actually stop teams uh, in other ways. Like, at multiple levels, they're trying to stop teams. And so Rudy just wasn't needed to as for as many blocks as usual. And his number plummeted. To 1.4, far and away the worst defensive stat season for Gobert since his rookie year, where he played 10 minutes per game. Which, by the way, he had a block in 10 minutes per game. This year he was at almost 31 minutes a game, and he was at only 1.4 blocks. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, is it because his minutes trended down with the Wolves having someone like a Carl Anthony Towns or even a Nas Reed, a floor-spacing center that they could bring in behind him? The answer is sort of. The 30 and a half minutes per game were the third, uh, yeah, by a couple of seconds, third lowest of Rudy's career. But the last time he was at 30 and a half, roughly, minutes per game was only two seasons ago with Utah, and he averaged 2.7 blocks per game that year. So it wasn't the minutes, necessarily. I mean, yeah, maybe part of it was the minutes, Perhaps the 2.7 that year, two seasons back in Utah, was sort of anomalously high, unseasonably warm. The other time he got up to 2.6, 2.7, he was playing 34 minutes a game. But look, like 31 minutes, 32 minutes had typically been enough for him to get to 2.2, 2.3. 
So now he's down at 1.4. It's just not even close. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits Then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Also of note, Worst rebounding year for Gobert since 2017, which was one of the years where he was injured, was playing injured, and the rebounds were just lower. Remember early in Rudy's career, he basically traded off perfectly healthy, very productive seasons and seasons where he missed 20 to 30 games for some, like, knee sprain that kept him out for 45 to 60 days and then just wasn't moving well coming back. Remember that? 2015, 2017, it was alternating. And then in 2019, he kind of broke that streak. Although he was still a little bit nicked up. Not so much, just mostly, you know, got in trouble for spitting on a microphone while having COVID. Whoops. He's been pretty healthy. Not perfectly so, but relatively healthy. in At least not in alternating fashion since then. So you can't really blame it on that either. And then, on top of everything else this year, Cat missed three and a half months, four months of this season, blowing out his leg, and Rudy still wasn't able to capitalize with an uptick in center minutes. I go through all of that, all of that gobbledygook, all of that fluff, to just point out, it ain't getting better anytime soon. Okay, so you can look at the Timberwolves' contracts And maybe you can try to squeeze something out of that. But it ain't going to be much. Because the guy that they're going to be looking at as, you know, what can we do at the the next moment? Um, Nas Reed, who was making $2 million and now he's a free agent. Even if he goes, a healthy cat continues to slot into the backup center minutes. In addition to all he's doing at power forward. And they still have Conley for another year at 24 mil. Anthony Edwards is still on his rookie deal. He'll get a massive contract bump in a couple of seasons. Slow-Mo has another year on his deal. Torian Prince has another deal on his deal. Another year, excuse me, on his deal. Jaden McDaniels, a couple more seasons on his rookie deal. So, like, it's not like magically a bunch of center minutes or opportunity is going to open up for... The, this coming season, the highest paid player on the Timberwolves. And they don't get along all that well. I don't know, but we all kind of know, that that was one of the reasons that D'Lo wanted to get the hell out of town. 
Like, we can joke about the fact that these the players doing stuff on social media, like unfollowing their own team, ha, 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 yuck, yuck, yuck. It actually does kind of mean some stuff. You know, when D'Lo was posting little cryptic messages and unfollowing his teammates, that's, that's a purposeful move. Whether or not it's always going to end up with a player getting traded in a month, you know, that, no, it's just not so simple. Sometimes you just have to get over that crap. But it does tell you that something's not great. And then you had the push-punch, whatever you want to call it. You had McDaniels smashing his hand into the tunnel wall. Vibes, not so great. But can they get better? And then from a fantasy standpoint, does it even really matter if they get better? What can change next year for Minnesota? Honestly, the thing that I want to see is Nas Reed ending up on a team that's going to play him 24 minutes a game. Because that dude had top 150 value in like 17 or 18 minutes at night. I don't even need, I don't think I need to sell you guys on Nas Reed. When he got fill in minutes, when both Gobert and Towns were out and Nas wasn't in foul trouble, like, go to the game by game for that dude. It's delightful. Go to the game by game for Nas Reed and try to find any ball game where he eclipsed 24 or 25 minutes. I mean, the cutoff is, is a little bit arbitrary, but like, March 22nd, 25 minutes and 37 seconds, Nas Reed, 26 points. Eight rebounds, two steals, and a pair of three-pointers on 11 out of 15 shooting. Oh, yeah! February 26th. Oh, wait, excuse me. There was a 24-minute in there that I skipped over. March 17th, 14-3. and Aw, a steal, a block, though. Six out of 15 shooting. Not bad. If that's the worst-case scenario, I'll take it. February 26th, 36 minutes... 30 points, 9 boards, 5 steals, 2 blocks, and 4 three-pointers. Whoa! Hot damn! February 1st, 35 minutes, 24 and 13 with a steal, a block, and 2 threes. I could go on. I might go on because just listing these is making me tingle. Oh, here's one where... Oh, no, that one actually was still relatively good, too. January 18th in Denver... Mile-high activity, 17-3, and three, two assists and three blocks. Missed his three-pointers. Oh, well. January 14th, 28 minutes, 17-7 and seven with a block and a three-pointer. Well, these are fun. Jan- December 30th, 30 minutes, 16-7, and seven, a steal block and two threes. It's juicy, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know where he's going to end up. I'm sure the Wolves are going to try to bring him back because... He was a big reason that they could just yank Gobert off the floor and still be very good. Sometimes better. But we don't know where he's going to be. And frankly, I'd rather him go somewhere else because the two damn highest paid players on this team are going to be the guys standing in his way for minutes. Cat and Gobert. But you never know. He'll end up someplace and we'll track him. I want a Nas Reed tracker. Forget the Kawhi Leonard airplane tracker. I want a Nas Reed tracker. His free agency might be one of the biggest things that we're watching on the fantasy side. But, look, he wasn't an all-games play this season. He was a, uh, he was a burger board man. <laughs> you guys, I hope, remember the burger board. The burger board, for anybody that wasn't listening earlier this year, was 
the uh, goofy way that I listed players based on their opportunity to fill in for an injured player. So one burger was decent, two burgers was this is going to be pretty damn good, and three burgers was set your house on fire and go pick up this guy because he's filling in and he's going to go nuts. And Nas Reed was like a pretty standard two-burger play when Gobert and Cat were out. Sometimes three. But as far as the actual players on this team went, almost everybody underachieved. With the exception of D'Angelo Russell, and then he didn't even finish the year on Minnesota, Cat was number 37 on a per-game basis, and he only played in 29 games. Yuck. But he's Cat, and he's probably still going to get drafted in the second round next year. Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, incredibly durable. That's the good news there. Played 79 out of 32 games this regular season, so by totals, he ended up as a really nice hit. By averages, however, he underperformed by about 15 slots, his ADP, and finished at number 40. Which, by the way... He ain't getting past that mark until he fixes his percentages, which could happen in an offseason. Like, we might see his free throw percent move up or his field goal percent tick up. Uh, So there is a chance for him to push earlier, and then the durability makes drafting him a little safer. You know, he's a guy that plays through stuff. He's thick. Those guys do tend to, not thick in like a a chunky way, just thick in like a he-can-take-a-hit kind of way. Strong, stocky, powerful. He doesn't have the long limbs that get blasted out from underneath him like an Anthony Davis or even a Kevin Durant right now. Rudy Gobert, number 58 on a per-game basis. Yeah, he was relatively durable, hit 70 games this year, but yuck, you're not... I mean, he's going to drop like a stone in drafts next year, so it's possible that all of this awful, awful, awful Gobert stuff might make him a draft day value, but I don't even know. I'm like, Could he really fall past 50? I kind of doubt it. And then Slow-Mo, who was just this... Absolutely perfect fill-in play and kind of carved out a nice role for himself even once everybody came back late in the year. Maybe he ends up as the guy. Because even once the team got healthy, he was still pretty reliably playing around 30 minutes. He wasn't taking as many shots, but that wasn't really his point anyway. Steals, blocks, boards, assists, good field goal percent. Not great free throw, but he didn't really shoot any. Um, so you're just sort of like mixing and matching a little bit with slow-mo, a net positive in assists, steals, blocks, field goal percent, and turnovers this year, and pretty close, like kind of average in rebounds. He was number 82 on a per-game basis, does get nicked up from time to time, and then Mike Conley, who finished at number 101, but had kind of a weird mixed bag of a season up and down in Utah as sort of the guy steering the boat. And then once he settled in with Minnesota, I thought Conley looked pretty damn good in his new digs. Um, Difficult to know how that's going to translate. His minutes did go up from 29.5 in Utah to a little over 31. His scoring went up by about three points per game. His steals were up. His assists were down because he wasn't the, the primary point guard again we call it like captaining the ship in utah where he just brought the ball up and he kicked it to somebody and they shot Uh, i still like how much more involved he was field goal percent was better three point percent was better he made more of them he just looked more comfortable as a more featured guy as opposed to just like hey you chill you let the young guys go crazy with utah so conley has a shot a chance to be um kind of a late round fill-in point guard kind of dude, like a second point guard or a third guard on your team. 
I think slow-mo has a chance to have some value next year. Um, Jaden McDaniels, love what he does on a basketball court. I just don't see him having enough usage to be consistently above 100. And I, I honestly, I don't know how much better he can get in kind of the peripheral stuff. He's going to have to just do more counting things to get there. And then Cat probably overdrafted. Anthony Edwards, Roto side, probably a little overdrafted. Head-to-head, I think a, a relatively safe play. And Gobert's the whole, I, I don't know what the hell's going to happen with Rudy. But we lie in wait. We lie in wait and find out what's going to happen to Nas Reed. Because if he goes somewhere where he gets a starter's job, he's got top 50 upside or better. God, I hope he goes someplace where we can scoop him up. He might be one of those guys, and you know we on this show, we don't get particularly aggressive on draft day because we're usually just sort of value hunting, you know? Just kind of, kind of value hunting, waiting for guys to fall. But he feels like the kind of name that could drop into, and I already forgot the different nomenclature we figured out for the the chunks. Probably not all the way to no man's land, but kind of that that realm right in front of it. I think that might be the area where you where you hit him hard. But not if he re-signs to go be a backup to a backup. That's whack. Guys, Father's Day is coming up. You got to listen to this because I, I know you're all thinking about something to do. Father's Day is in, what, almost three weeks? Coming down the chute, man. And if you wait until the last second, you're going to get something stupid, and it's not even going to arrive on time. Don't get Dad the same old junk. Or don't get the father figure in your life, the same old junk. Get him some at manscaped.com with our coupon code ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping. Make sure you use that coupon code. Don't you dare buy something there and not get the discount. I will reach through this earbud and slap you right in the side of the, the brain. Ethos20 at manscaped.com. Try out the brand new Beard Hedger. It's super cool, man. Maybe the father figure in your life wants to trim their beard to something, I don't know, specific. It was basically the only complaint I ever had about Manscaped's stuff. Their sideburn trimmer, their tr- their traditional trimmer, and obviously they make all their jokes about trimming your junk with it. But look, like my Manscaped trimmer is for my face and neck. That's what I use it on. Like, I would imagine probably like 98% of the people that buy this stuff because it's really good equipment. But it only came with a couple of uh, length blades to attach. There was like a 3mm one, a 6mm one. I think it was like a 12 and a 15. That leaves a lot of gap area. 6mm is a relatively short beard. It's, but, like, you kind of want it to come back in a little bit, or are you going for, like, beyond the shadow? Because that's more the 3mm one. Finally, finally, you can get yourself a beard hedger. Get get that father figure in your life a beard hedger. If they're sick of trying to figure out how to sculpt their facial hair, it's titanium-coated and stainless steel T-blades with 20 different lengths going on the half millimeter, 0.5 all the way up to 10. And it's got a little zoom wheel in the middle where you can flip that thing around. 60-minute rechargeable lithium-ion battery, 
three levels LED charge indicator so you know when it's done. It's waterproof. If you want to clean it with a little, with some suds, charges via USB or an AC adapter, a length-setting comb, and a travel bag all come with the Beard Hedger. That is the new product over at Manscaped.com. They didn't have that when we were doing reads for them about four months ago, but they've got it now. You can also get the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. If you bundle it, it's just a few bucks more. That comes uh, with some beard shampoo, some beard conditioner, some beard oil, beard balm, scissors, a travel bag, and a comb. Awesome, awesome stuff. 20% off and free shipping with promo code ethos20 at manscaped.com. Go check out the Beard Hedger for Father's Day coming up on Sunday, June the 18th. Don't screw around. Order it now. Get it out of the way, and you won't have to think about it later. Folks, that's your show. Those are the Timberwolves. Playoffs recommence tomorrow, June the 1st, on my ugh, 40th birthday. And I want to leave you guys with a question that I threw out on Twitter, and a couple of folks have responded. I know it's not like high tide time uh, for chatting NBA with a fantasy analyst on the Twitters, but I'd love it if you guys could come over there and talk to me about this one question. Oh, and something just popped up on the feed. It's not, it's like a, it's a rumor thing that if James Harden leaves the 76ers, they may target Freddie Van Vliet as one of their replacements. But, you know, we'll again cross that bridge when we get there. My question for you guys is right now, we're seeing NBA coaches just bouncing from competitor to competitor, seemingly, with Monty Williams, perhaps the exception of maybe going to a team kind of at the, like the back of the front end of a rebuild in Detroit. But Nick Nurse going from competitor in Toronto to competitor in Philadelphia, and we'll probably see Budenholzer land somewhere, and do we see Doc Rivers move back to ESPN, or do we see him land somewhere? Like, it just feels like these teams are kind of shuffling the deck chairs a little bit. So my question is, is there a coach in the NBA, whether they're available or not, that really truly is the get-you-over-the-hump coach. Because Philly's banking on Nick Nurse being that guy. And before that, they banked on Doc Rivers being that guy, even though he's like he's been a, a, a really good coach at guiding teams through controversy. But since the Boston championship, Doc Rivers has actually kind of been the opposite where he's been the team that's gotten teams to the precipice only to see them consistently blow it on closeout days. Is it, is it Ty Lue? Cause he's looked pretty damn good in critical spots. Was it who I guess, you know, like if you go back, a decade, two decades, three decades even. It was Phil Jackson. He was the get teams over the hump coach. Taking star power, getting them a title. Is there that guy right now? Or are all of these teams just rotating voices in the locker room? So far, by the way, the answers that I've gotten on this, if you guys need a little bit of uh, guidance, it was Spo. Eric Spolstra has gotten a vote or two. Um, Ime Udoka actually got a vote, however you feel about the off-the-court stuff. 
There was a thought that maybe Brad Stevens could have been that guy, but I don't know. I have trouble voting for anybody that hasn't actually won a title. So Spolstra makes sense. He keeps taking these teams that seem wildly overmatched way farther than anybody believes they can go. He gets a he certainly gets a vote. But who else? Is it Ime? Is he a, is he the the locker room culture guy? Is it Nurse? Cuz Nick Nurse won a title with one of the most intensely amazing hired guns ever in Kawhi Leonard. Man, has pushing your chips to the middle ever worked as well as that one? Good show, Toronto. Who do you think it is? Hit me up on Twitter. I got that. It's the last tweet I sent. I'm probably not tweeting anything else for multiple hours here because I don't know what the hell am I going to talk about these days. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you guys over on the socials. It's at Dan Bespris if you're not following me already. Let's chat it out. Why the hell not, right? Anywho, onward and upward. Have a lovely Wednesday, everybody. Tomorrow, games come back, although we already talked about it. So, um, I don't know. We'll figure something out to talk on the pod. We break down another team. Any more lessons learned? Maybe a mailbag show. Damn, I haven't done a mailbag show in like half a year at this point. Maybe it's time to crack open the old satchel and see what letters have arrived. Probably talk a little bit about some of the votes on the, not votes, I guess, just uh, answers to this question. I am curious what you guys think about this, the the weirdness. The coaching carousel feels weirder than ever right now because it's just like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's not even musical chairs. It's carousel. They're just switching horses. Okay. I'm Dan Bespris. Buy Manscaped. Get a beard hedger, you jerks. It's Father's Day. See you tomorrow.